The following is a production by Cutting to the Chase Podcast. Alex Cohen, broadcaster with the Iowa Cubs. Thanks for taking time today. How, how's it going on your end? It's going pretty well. Uh, just got done with the 12-game road trip for the Iowa Cubs. Uh, had a nice bus ride through the state of Ohio last night. Uh, got to Des Moines bright and early, 5.30 in the morning, and just been recovering all day. And you know, we have a 13-game homestand for the Iowa Cubs starting up. So right in the thick of summer. They call it the dog days of summer for a reason, and now it's a reason. But uh, been a great season so far. Really have enjoyed it, and it's just great to get back to baseball. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I'm glad we were able to find some mutual time. Uh, I know it's very busy on the baseball side of things for sure. But uh, yeah, bus trip, like you said, from Columbus, my old stomping ground. There so uh, yeah, yeah. How, are, how are those bus trips? <laughs> you know what? Um, I, I, I used to say in like 2018, 2019 that yeah, I could do without it. But after a season without yeah. baseball, I mean, I will take an 11 hour bus trip through the state of Ohio middle of the night. Anytime when it comes to that, as opposed to not having baseball. So really, uh, yeah, it puts things into perspective that you don't broadcast a game in 500 days. And now you know, it takes the peaks and the valleys of it. And if taking a bus drive through the, through the entire state of Iowa or the entire state of Ohio, um, you'll take that when it comes in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, that's for sure. Especially, like you said, the perspective after last year and everything. And yeah. Uh, you kind of alluded to the the Iowa Cubs so far. Uh, how would you characterize their season so far? And again, after no season last year, because my thing going into this year was, you know, what will it be like for minor league baseball after no season last year and coming right back into this grind? Maybe on the one hand, you could say, I don't know if you want to say extra rest, but yeah. a year off, rust, rest, whatever you want to call it, or maybe neither of that. But uh, yeah, how would you say the season's kind of gone if you had any kind of expectations going into it? You know, I really didn't, um, and it was definitely over the first 70 games of the season, it's been peaks and valleys. I mean, we started off the season 9-5. and five. We had a no-hitter on the fifth game of the year, you know, a, a 2 nothing no-hitter, uh, four pitchers combined for 15 strikeouts, three walks. We were 9-5 and five in our first 14 games, and, and if you look at the guys who contributed for the Cubs during that time, it was Rafael Ortega and Patrick Wisdom, Sergio Alcantara, Tommy Nance. And then all four of those guys go up to the big leagues and all of a sudden, you know, 60% of our offense and the entire back end of our bullpen is up at Chicago. And over the next 20 games, we go two and 18. And whenever a team is struggling, it's just, it's tough to call games. It's tough to play the games and you know, just tough to go through it. Then you get some of those guys back. Uh, some of the other guys have gotten healthy. Then promotions from double a Ben Leeper, Manny Rodriguez, Scott Efros, Dakota Meccas, all, all four of those pitchers have been good for us in the back end of our bullpen. And in the last 32 games, we're 16 and 16. So you go from being nine and five, pretty good, to two and 18 and 20 games, really bad, to 16 and 16, average. So you get all three facets of the game where you're playing good, playing poorly, and then just sort of treading water. So it's been all of those elements for the Iowa Cubs. Yeah, you know, I was just talking with our guy, Greg Huss, earlier. I was kind of getting his, uh, I wanted to get his kind of heartbeat vibe on the team as well. And he said the same thing. It's hard to get those expectations or have any expectations in minor league baseball. As you just, as you were just mentioning, all these guys coming up, going down, you know, et cetera, moving all over the place. You mentioned Patrick Wisdom. I mean, could you have foreseen any kind of the story that he's had in Chicago this year? 
That's a really good question. Um, I would love to say yes, uh, but I think our manager, Marty Peavy, called it. So Patrick Wisdom played for the St. Louis Cardinals organization uh, 2017-2018, was with the Texas Rangers in 2019. So I've been the broadcaster for the Iowa Cubs since 2018. I saw a lot of Patrick in 18 and 19, and he annihilated Iowa pitching. You know, multiple home run games, grand slams. And Marty Peavy, manager of the Iowa Cubs, said in 2019, hey, just give this guy 400 to 500 big league at-bats. He will hit 30 home runs. So he kind of called the shot. And then when I found out that he signed a minor league free agent job with the Cubs, talked to Marty a couple days before the season started, and he said Patrick has been the best hitter by fall at the alternate site. Uh, He missed the first 10 days of the season because he was on paternity leave. Uh, Then he comes to Iowa. He's 0 for his first 14. And then we were in St. Paul at the time, go back to Des Moines, and he hits like three home runs at his next six at-bats. One grand slam and then a multi-home run game. And you're like, okay, I, I get it. He gets called up to the big leagues and the rest is history. So uh, I knew that Patrick would be a productive, not only Iowa Cup, but I thought he'd be a productive big league player. I did not foresee this. And I think our manager, Marty Peavy, did. So he called it. I didn't. Um, but for him at 29, 30 years old, to go up to the big leagues and have this type of success, I mean – on pace for you know, 45 home runs in a 162-game season. I don't think anybody could have foreseen that. Yeah, it's really cool seeing stories like whether it's Wisdom, your mean Mercedes, any kind of player that comes up. You don't know how long it's going to be or how long that run might last, but it's really cool to see that prog- or that success kind of happen. And yeah, I mean, he's been a huge piece of that roster up there. And so for you, how has it been working minor league baseball again this season after last year, of course, you know, the pandemic and everything, uh, was it just been for you to just be back and just broadcasting games again? Again, it kind of goes in peaks and valleys. Like at the beginning of the season, you're just so excited to get back in. Like, I don't care if it's a four hour game or a five hour game, just get me back in the booth and, and let me call baseball. But then you get into the grind of it. I mean, even with the everyday, every Monday is an off day type of regimen, I mean, you're still playing 130 days in 142 days, so it's a lot. So, yeah, you get to me now, and you're talking to me on the back end of a 12-day road trip in in Ohio. We had six games in Toledo, six games in Columbus, all on a bus. Like, I'm tired. You know, I, I definitely feel the grind of that, but it's very welcome. Like, I'd much rather do this than sit on my couch and not do everything or anything all summer. So um, I definitely enjoy being back, but – you know, to say that you don't feel fatigue or, you know, some sort of struggle. And, and when you're a broadcaster, it's kind of like when you're a player. There's some games where you feel like you go over four or three strikeouts on the broadcast and the words just don't come to your head right away or you're just not feeling it. But then there's some games when you're at home and there's 10,000 fans there, finally with fans being allowed, and you just feel like you go four for four with a couple homers. So um, it was a lot of fun, and it's been a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to uh, enjoying the second half of the season. It's coming up very quickly. I respect the grind. I respect what you do. I was a minor league baseball intern with the Augusta Green Jackets like five years ago now. So I got a little bit of a taste that the inside look at what it's like. And, you know, like you said, the grind. And I was the social media, media relations intern. You you get it. I mean, it's just pulling 14 hour days, man. I mean, you're you're getting to the ballpark when the sun rises. You're leaving when most people are going to bed. And then you do the same thing over and over and over again. And you know, some days there's good days, some days there's bad days. Sometimes it's you know in between and you're feeling tired, but you just have to push through. Uh, and for many people, it's a dream job. But, you know, it doesn't mean that there isn't some struggle or fatigue that comes along with it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I had a I had a brief 
half inning on the radio just to get my feet wet, just to see what it was right. like. And yeah, it was that was before I started doing podcasting. So I was very bad looking back on and I was like, oh, I can't stand listening to this. But uh, I'm sure I'm sure even what you might think is your bad days are still great days. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm sure that you're still killing it. But uh, last year, with no baseball games happening, uh, if I remember correctly, I know it's, you know, with the staff, even if you're doing media or yeah. You know, in that regard, you're still doing was it sales or you have another element of your job? Yeah, I, I worked as the uh, as the travel coordinator for the team, and then also in their sales department. Travel we didn't really have to deal with because we didn't have a season, but you know, sales just making sure that all the the companies and the people that we deal with are one they're doing okay from a health and a personal perspective, and two their business is doing okay, so monitoring that, uh, and then trying to do some creative things to keep our business afloat. You know, we had a uh, we had a time about, I think it was two months from May to July last year, where we had our version of Sunday Night Baseball, where we uh, stream MLB, the show online, and then I broadcasted those games. And it was crazy. Like five, 6,000 people would watch and listen to those. They were so starved for baseball at the time. So uh, just being able to do that. And then from a personal perspective, uh, a lot happy. You know, I was, uh, I've been dating a, a woman for the last seven years and we've been long distance and she came to Iowa during the pandemic and we went from a one bedroom apartment to fostering a dog to a two bedroom apartment, then adopting a dog. And then we bought a house. So a lot of things really aligned and matched up from a personal perspective and being able to spend a summer with, you know, my girlfriend and my love and, and my family, it was something that I'll never forget. You know, do I want to do again? Not in the next couple of years, but yeah, you know, just being able to spend a summer with them and quality time and and build our home. It's something that I really appreciated and, and still do appreciate. So uh, from a personal perspective, it lined up. And from a business perspective, we just sort of treaded water. You know, fortunately, I work for an organization that did not furlough us. They did not let anybody go. And there's only a handful of minor league organizations that did that. So very grateful to Sam Burnaby and the Gartner family and the Iowa Cubs ownership group for keeping us all aboard and really caring for us as people and not just employees. So everything aligned. I mean, the only bad thing that happened is I got COVID. I got COVID oh. in June of last year. Oh wow! Um, and I would say that mine was you know, a relatively mild case, but I still had some symptoms going up into the fall, loss of smell, brain fog. But um, yeah, it was just, it was definitely a different type of year. And there was a, a way to take some positives out of that. But I am very happy to be back broadcasting baseball uh, with fans in the stands. And, and I'm glad to get back to that sort of normalcy. Yeah, amen. Glad that you're doing better as well. And yeah, you mentioned MLB The Show. I wanted to get your thoughts what that was like. And you actually know Ben Gelman Chomsky, who I know is, I do. he works for The Show. And, and he's actually a Blue Jackets fan. And he reads... Uh, over at the Canon, which is the website that I write and podcast for over there. So I knew him from that element first, but uh, obviously he's a part of the show. And what was it like broadcasting those games and doing those streams? You know, it was a nice curveball, uh, pun absolutely intended. I mean, it was a great alternate for not being able to to call baseball games, just to be able to do that and get some sort of taste. Was it realistic? No, I was doing it through a computer screen and uh, is it going to be my best broadcast of all time? Is it going on my demo reel? Probably not. But but it's one that definitely got the fans involved. Again, just seeing the viewership when it came to that and all the comments from, oh, this is really cool, to, is this real? I didn't think there was baseball. So people actually thought that they were watching real games when in reality it was a video game simulation. But um, it, it definitely brought a lightness to a very serious time in all of our lives when it came to COVID. So being able to take – two, three hours a Sunday and just do that and, and shut up all the all the stuff that was going on, all the reports, all the Twitter, and just be able to get back to baseball, um, at least for one day a week for about two months. It was great. I really enjoyed it. 
Definitely. Yeah. And now um, back to the field. So talk about some of the guys and you mentioned some names already, but just talk about some of the guys that you're seeing on an everyday basis that mm-hmm. will probably end up making an impact for the Cubs on the major league roster sooner than later. Obviously guys like Justin Steele, uh, you know, talk about how he's looked probably going to be in that rotation or pitching in some capacity for the Cubs sooner than later sure. or guys like Tommy Nance, any guys that maybe stick out. I'll start with Justin first. Now, you know, Justin obviously started off the year in the big leagues and he shoved. I mean, he had a two ERA, he was two and oh, he had like a one whip and then he had a hamstring injury running the bases. He comes back down here. He's rehabbing that hamstring injury. Stuff looks good. And then they, they extended up like an inning and two thirds and he threw like 40 pitches. Then the light bulb went off in my mind saying, you know, the Cubs don't have a left-handed starting pitcher, not only in the big leagues, but also on their 40-man roster. So you need some sort of flexibility when it comes to that. Justin came up as a starter all throughout the minor league organization up until 2019, and lo and behold, they put him in the starting rotation, and he has been nasty. I mean, he's a guy that probably 6'2", 6'3", 98-mile-per-hour fastball, curveball, slider, cutter. Um, the three secondaries have all looked sharp. Only issue has been walking, guys. Uh, but he's been able to initiate weak contact, his strikeout rate as a starter. I think he's averaging like 14 strikeouts for nine innings. Um, he's a guy where you can't teach left arms like that. They don't grow on trees. Um, he's a special kid, special arm, and he's the type of guy where if he gets stretched out, finds his control a little bit on his secondary pitches, uh, I think he is a middle-of-the-rotation starter floor in the big leagues, and he's a guy that could be a two. Uh, he, he is legit stuff, good moxie, a competitor, really good athlete. He was recruited to be a, a two-way player at Southern Miss before he was drafted. So just a good athlete, good moxie, good background. You know, his baseball IQ is really high. And the stuff plays, I mean, in his last start, his first strikeout, first battery face, 98-mile-per-hour fastball in the outside corner. Can't really teach stuff like that. So he's uh, he's a pretty special arm. Two guys back out of the bullpen who I really like, along with Tommy Nance, who you saw up in the big leagues, Ben Leeper and Manny Rodriguez. Manny Rodriguez on the 40-man roster, pitching the Futures game, hit 100 miles per hour. And if you thought that that gun was juiced in his last outing uh, in Columbus, he sat 99. Um, He's 5'11", 205 pounds. So from that arm angle, high leg kick, really deceptive. Um, And and the fastball obviously plays. Ben Leeper, non-drafted free agent out of Oklahoma State last year. And and that's a little bit misleading because there's only five rounds in the draft. Ben probably would have been like a round seven, round nine, round 11 pick. But it says non-drafted free agent um, and just works his way up through the organization. Again, not a really big guy, but he is the true back end of the bullpen arm. High 90s fastball, high octane slider, two-pitch pitcher. Work in progress on the curveball. He's given up two home runs, both on the curveball. So you're allowed to work on stuff. You're a 23-year-old pitcher who's in his first year of professional baseball. But there's a certain moxie about Ben. He, he gives me Craig Kimbrell vibes. And it might be because he you know, had the red hair and the red beard. But, you know, he's he carries himself respectfully on the mound, but with a certain presence and confidence. And it's tough to compare him to Craig Kimbrell, who's going to be a Hall of Famer, who's an eight-time All-Star, but he definitely gives me Kimbrell vibes. So those are the two guys that stick out on the pitching staff, along with Tommy Nance, as well as Justin Steele. Hitting-wise, Alfonso Rivas. Now, Alfonso Rivas, first full year in the Cubs organization, he was dealt for Tony Kemp. When Kemp went to the athletics, Alfonso Rivas came back here. And you look at Alfonso Rivas' stats as a first baseman, doesn't hit for a lot of power or hasn't throughout the 
entirety of his professional career, which has only been three years. Uh, but he's a guy, if I had a pro comp for him, you remember the name James Loney? Yeah, yep. James Loney, former first baseman for the Padres, you know, just a defense first, first baseman, high OBP, doesn't strike out much. Yoke hit 280, 290, and that's what I think Alfonso Rivas is. Uh, Rivas has a 22-game on base streak with us right now. Uh, he started off a little bit late with us this year because uh, he had a hamstring injury at the alternate site, and his first 10 games he hit like 150. Since then, he's played 26 games. He's gotten on base in 25 of them. Get a 21-game on-base streak where he's hitting 327, OPS of 1,000. Just a pro. Just a flat-out pro hitting. Really good defensively at first. Can play both corner outfield positions. Really smart player. Um, he's a guy where if you do see trades up in the big leagues, uh, he's somebody who I think could fill in right now and you wouldn't skip a beat. Obviously, it's tough to replace uh, an Anthony Rizzo or a Jake Marisnik or a Chris Bryant, but he's a guy that will go up there right now, I guarantee you, give you competitive at-bats, uh, really good against right-handed pitching naturally as a left-handed hitter, but also defensively you won't skip a beat with that. So Alfonso Rivas has really impressed me along with those three pitchers. Do you think Brennan Davis is a guy you might see in Iowa sooner than later, or do you think that he's a guy that might make that jump whenever that time comes, not saying this year, but would make that jump to the majors, or is it just hard to say? You know what? I mean, I, I think they're trying to be careful with the progression, but at some point, Brendan Davis, I think, is forcing people's hands. I mean, when you hit two home runs in the Futures game, and then the next week you have two two-homer games, and you've hit six home runs since July 15th, at some point you're basically making the organization make that move. So I, I think the Cubs organization is open to promoting him. I mean, there's things naturally that he needs to work on, outfield defense, uh, not striking out as much even in this era, but he's a special bat. He's a special player. So – I would love to see Brendan Davis this year. Um, I, I think that hopefully we will at some point. Remember, the minor league season was extended 10 extra days. So normally the minor leagues would end a season September 3rd, September 5th. It was already going to be extended to September 19th. Now the AAA season is extended to October 3rd. So, you know, the AA season might end September 19th. Maybe they give Brendan Davis some extra at-bats at the AAA level. So I wouldn't be shocked to see him at some point. I hope it's soon. Could it be tomorrow? It could be. Could it be September 19th? It could be. But I, I am hopeful that the Iowa Cubs will see him and will make his AAA debut this year. Uh, I was curious. Do you ever get a chance to interact with those at the major league level, whether it's scouts, staff, whatever the case may be? Or is that kind of not really? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that we we we, have, we still have a close-knit community. I mean, the schedules don't often align, but you know, I, I'm lucky enough to have a, have a pretty good relationship with the big league staff. You know, the Cubs media relations department's great. Uh, Jason Carr is one of the best in the business. So, you know, I just try to talk to him, pick his brain, get aligned with him as much as possible. Um, Boog is one of the best, you know, Boog Chambi, you know, TV voice of the Chicago Cubs. He's not only a tremendous broadcaster, he's also just a wonderful human being. And he's somebody that, that reaches out to me. I reach out to him and, you know, we, we talk you know, every now and then. He picks my brain about guys that are coming up. Um, you know, we've been on Marquee Sports Network a couple times this year, and he's been nothing but supportive with that. So um, just being able to touch base with him and, and see how we're doing down here and I see how they're doing up there. So, um, yeah, it, the baseball season's tough to have time to, you know, correspond with those of the big leagues. But, you know, they're definitely open to that, and they've been very welcoming. 
one thing I've mentioned before, I think I was talking to Greg about this actually, and this is just kind of my observation, I guess. So like I said, I'm from Columbus and it's been a long time since I've been there, a long time since I've been to Clippers games, for instance, and I've seen more single A, double A since then with my internships and everything. But I used to have this mindset, I guess, with triple A baseball that I used to think of that as kind of the top spot for prospects. And then I realized over time, it really feels like double A is maybe that spot where these star studded impact players come from. Not to say they can't be in triple A triple A is where a lot of guys, maybe it's journeymen, maybe it's guys that come up, go down. Like we were talking about, uh, it just depends kind of like that veteran presence. But, uh, do you feel like, I guess, a, do you agree with that? But also B, uh, would you say there's been a shift in yeah. kind of maybe the way the prospects have gone through the minor league system over the past years, or has it always been kind of been like double A's, but kind of that spot in triple A's kind of veteran presence, maybe guys that come up, go down, if you know what I mean? I, I think it's based on organization to organization. I mean, if you look at the Columbus Clippers, uh, they have like four of their top 10 prospects. You know, they had Nolan Jones, who's the number one prospect in the Indians organization, who's 23 years old, is younger than the average double-A player. But they want to see those players against, you know, obviously higher baseball acumen and more experienced players. So if you look at the Indians organization, it is very clear that triple-A is their, is their place where they put their prospects. Um, and I think that if you look at the Iowa Cubs next opponent, uh, the Louisville Bats, I mean, they have Hunter Green. I mean, Hunter Green's one of the best pitching prospects in all of baseball. He's only 22 years old. So I think the the Reds definitely want to test their prospects, especially pitching-wise, at higher levels. Um, if you look at the Iowa Cubs, they've been up and down. I mean, in 2019, they had you know six top 25 prospects. But then you look at this year, it's more, as you said, those organizational pieces, those depth pieces, guys who are fringe 40-man roster players. So I think it really depends on, one, the organization, and two, where they're at when it comes to their player development. If they're trying to make a, a, a rehaul or they're trying to overhaul. So um, I, I think it just really depends. But I, I don't think there's like a unified approach to it. I think some organizations have their prospects in double A, but I think the prospects in, in our league right now, St. Paul, definitely Minnesota Twins value their triple you know, A options. They had Ryan Jeffers there. They have Brent Rooker there. They have a bunch of their top hitting prospects, Jose Miranda up at the triple A level. Columbus Clippers, Louisville Bats obviously want to put their top prospects um, in triple A for their respective organizations. So I think it's an organization by organization thing. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, one uh, one name I wanted to mention was I don't know if I'm saying it right, but Yonisway or Yonisway Fargus. I know that the that the Cubs yeah. just claimed him, and I believe he's on the AAA roster. And I actually kind of knew him in Augusta when he was there with the Green Jackets. So kind of interesting to see that name. I know he was a speedy center fielder. Do you know much about him? Yeah, I mean the, the speed plays, and and if you look at the Cubs organization, they don't have many guys who are big league ready on their 40 man roster when it comes to their outfield. They already have enough outfield depth. Uh, but the fact of the matter is some of those guys could get traded. I mean, you have Jake Marisnik could get traded. You have Chris Bryant could get traded. Well, that eliminates your depth right there. And instead of you know starting the clock of a Brennan Davis or or bringing somebody like that up, you know, bring up a 40-man roster outfielder who can give you quality at-bats and let those young prospects grow. That being said, I still think you have that at Iowa. You have guys like Trace Thompson, has oh, yeah. big league experience. Ian yeah. Miller, speed guy, big league experience. He's hitting like 335 over his last 40 games. So – um, I think it just adds to the depth, but uh, if Vargas comes to the Iowa Cubs and struggles, uh, Iowa Cubs have plenty of outfielders right now who are playing well. Nick Martinez had a huge series with the Iowa Cubs. Three homers, six games, number of great defensive plays. So 
Um, it's never a problem to have too much outfield depth, especially five days before the trade deadline. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that you got to work a little bit with Greg Huss over uh, the last few days, right? Greg's my guy. Yeah, no, it was great to to spend time with him. And you know, he lives in Columbus, and you know, Greg, they do great work at Cubs Insider, then Bleacher Nation. I mean, they and I told Greg this. I I learn a lot from them because you know sometimes we're in there like our you know, our lens and as a broadcaster, we're kind of naive to what the public thinks or what the public perceives of what's going on. And I think Greg and, and, and all Bleacher Nation and Cubs Insider and Evan, I mean, I think they do a great job of kind of blending that, blend, blending the fanfare aspect of it, but also doing the research and, and showing data points. And I think they're very smart about that. So it was nice to see and meet Greg. I've talked to him before, but Greg's a great dude. And um, it, it was great being able to put him in touch with a couple iCubs players. I know that he talked to Alfonso Rivas, Dakota Mekis, Justin Steele, a couple others. So um, hopefully he enjoyed it as much as we did. Yeah, I've had Bleacher Nation, Greg, Evan on the pod. I wrote with Cubs Insider briefly. It's awesome to see their stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Last question for you. How was it being on House Hunters? <laughs> uh, well, I'm sitting in the house that we bought, so yeah. uh, obviously it worked well. But, yeah, it was just a really cool experience. Um, it was one that, you know, Tessa, my girlfriend, woke up early one morning. It was just like, I'm going to apply for us to be on House Hunters. So I said, you know what? Knock yourself out. Famous last word. So, yeah, it, it really caught on a, a mind of its own. And um, it's something that we're going to remember for a long time. Um, it was really funny. Tessa and I were actually at a golf course couple weeks ago we were um, it was during one of our Monday off days and we're going around the 18th hole and a person points to me and goes you and I'm like what did I do and it's like you were on house hunters so just to have like moments like that um, hopefully does not last forever but I mean especially right now it's cool it's just a it's a fun story it's a it's something that we could say 10 15 20 years down the road say it's pretty cool that we did that so obviously it was real as you said you're in the house that was that you were I guess looking at it on the show, but is there any like yep. I don't know for right lack yep. for for lack of a better word, is there any like Hollywood aspect of it at all, or is it all just legitimately just you're trying to buy a house on TV? No, I mean I, they they definitely. I mean it was fifty hours of filming to a twenty three minute show, yeah. so they pick and choose their uh, footage carefully. Uh, but you know our, our crew was great, and they definitely. Uh, found content points that would be creative and entertaining and they um they succeeded so no it worked out well awesome well really appreciate you taking time i know like you said it's, a, it's one of your rare off days so go enjoy it uh but yeah thanks for taking time to talk a little bit about the cubs and all the minor league players and everything right so going on so far thanks for having me i, I appreciate it and keep doing what you're doing keep talking with people it's uh it's a lot of fun and, and admirable so i appreciate the time Three, two, one, zero, zero, and liftoff.